0: You need indeed all
1: systems are good, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Chris Van Vliet. Oh, so good to see you, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CVV Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being with us on this one. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please take a second to click subscribe or follow on the podcast of your choosing, the one that you're listening on right now. You know that we. Love talking to people who are at the very top of their field. And we love reverse engineering how they got there. Well, my guest today is the very best at what he does. Roger Love is the world's number one voice coach. He's worked with musicians like John Mayer, Eminem, Selena Gomez, world-renowned speakers like Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard. He's the guy who taught Jeff Bridges how to sing for Crazy Heart he taught Bradley Cooper how to sing for A Star Is Born. He taught Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix to sing for Walk the Line. Yeah, it's a lot of talent right there. There's some amazing stories in this conversation, but more importantly, there's a lot of actionable things that you can take away from this and start doing in your life right now so you can use your voice so people will listen. You can find Roger on Instagram. He's at the Roger Love official. You can check out his website. It's rogerlove.com. You can find me. I'm at ChrisFanVleet or ChrisFanVleet.com. Take a screenshot, tag us so we can share this. Robert707 is our fan of the week. Thank you for leaving this review. It says, amazing. What an amazing interviewer. I love that you let your guests talk. You get deep and spiritual with them, but you also have a laugh. Thank you, Chris, for the amazing content. Well, thank you, Robert707, for the amazing review. We read one on every single episode. So if you want a shout out, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're at almost 2,600 on there as of today. And if you listen on Spotify, we're at almost 700 ratings on there. So if you're listening on either of those platforms, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would mean so much if you could go in there and leave a rating or review. Okay. This is just such a fascinating conversation about something that we all do every single day, but maybe we don't put that much thought into it. Speaking, right? I'm doing it right now, but we do it every single day. And I think that you're gonna love this. So please welcome the legendary Roger Love. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Roger Love, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored and excited. The, the amount of people that you've worked with is it's mind-blowing. Poison, Selena Gomez, John Mayer, Eminem, actors like Bradley Cooper, Jeff Bridges, Reese Witherspoon. You've worked with anybody who's anybody, Tony Robbins as well, Brendan Burchard. I think the fascinating thing about what you do is it makes people think about their voice because this is something that a lot of people just don't think about normally.
1: Crazy, but the number one makeover people should be thinking about taking is a voice makeover, and it's on the very last of their list that they already crumpled up and threw in the trash. They're thinking, well, if they change their hairstyle or they, they read another book or they took another course, that that would get them the happiness they want or the success they want or the communications that they want, the relationships they want, but they're not thinking about that they're opening up their mouths And people are making all of these value judgments about them based on the sounds that they're making. And pretty much everybody could use a quick voice makeover.
2: Well, I think that a lot of people go, well, this is my voice. This is the voice that I was born with. It changed when I hit puberty and this is it. I'm stuck with it. Yes, and
1: that is a very interesting uh, tale, but it isn't true. You were born with an instrument like your grandmother, if she was nice enough to you and you were nice enough to her that she decided she was gonna give you a Steinway grand piano and you've taken it in your house and it's so beautiful, You're, you have all the top picture frames on it, but you never learned how to play the instrument. So she gave you a gift, but you decided whether you wanted to learn it. We all are born with a voice, those of us that speak. Of course, some people are, are speech impaired, but those of us that, are, that, that have a voice, We learn how to use our voice when we start to learn words and we memorize the sounds of the people that are speaking to us. Mm. So if your mother speaks very, very airy, Roger, you're my favorite child. I love you so much more than your brother. Do you want to eat? Then as soon as you can speak, you want to connect with her and you speak just like she does. Milk. Mommy. Milk. Yes. Better than my brother. So you you try to connect with sound. And if your dad talks like this, (laughs) let's go cut firewood (laughs) for the fire. And then you want to go with your dad. As soon as you can speak to your dad, you're like, daddy, cut firewood. (laughs) So all of a sudden, we're young adults or adults, and we think this is the voice we were born with. No, this is the voice that we ended up with because we were imitating the people that we were creating connections with and that's why i say it's time to start figuring out what do you really sound like is your voice working for you maybe there's a reason why you hate your own voice on your voicemail
2: yeah well most people do hate their own voice when they hear it they're like do i really sound like that yes yes Yes, they do, but they don't
1: have to. that's that's probably the voice of of their parents or their caregivers and now it's time to figure out what voice might work for you and your life
2: and your relationships. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people are making with their voice?
1: People think there's a difference between
2: singing and speaking.
1: I really started as a voice coach and just taught singers for 17 years. That's where I started. At 16 and a half, I was the voice coach for the Beach Boys and Earth, Wind & Fire and all these amazing artists, Luther Vandross and these great, great singers. And 17 years later, speakers started coming to me. And and when they first started coming to me, I was like, "Uh, thank you so much, you're so nice. You're so tall, you have nice hair. But I am a singing voice coach because I've gotten really, really good at helping singers open up their mouths and figure out what sounds should come out to influence millions of people, whether they wanted to have them buy t-shirts and more records and CDs, or whether they wanted them to support their favorite political candidate. I was helping these singers change their lives and influence millions of people. So when speakers started coming to me, like I said, I considered myself a singing coach. That was the track I was on. But then eventually they just kept coming, the Tony Robbinses of the world, and actors started coming to me, the the Reese Witherspoons and the Jeff Bridges, and they, they all started coming to me thinking that I was a speaking voice coach. So I decided I was going to start working with speakers. And at first, I believed that there had to be a difference between singing and speaking. And then after I learned and studied everything I could possibly study, I came full circle to being wrong. There is hardly any difference between singing and speaking. That singing is about melody, how the melody goes, and volume, how loud or soft you go, and pace, how fast or slow you go. So it's about pitch, how high or low. And the same things exist in the speaking voice. It's just nobody was really focusing on teaching people how to sort of add that music, all of those Influences in music that make people love listening to you. I started putting them in people's speaking voices and that changed everything. Then all of a sudden, I I, I loved working with speaking voices. I always said that when you teach someone to sing, they can hit higher notes and maybe, maybe sell more, more songs and more, more ticket, uh, more tickets to their concerts. But if you change the way somebody speaks, you can totally change their life. And I love those kind of
2: transformations. I'm sure you hear it all the time. You have just a beautiful voice. I could listen to you speak for hours and hours on end. Well, uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I,
1: I, I would like to be the poster child for someone who realizes that music has all these amazing attributes and that you can add that to the speaking voice and increase the retention of people listening to you. And, and mostly I basically say that if you are a great speaker, yeah, you can do three things. And I think everybody should want to do those three things. First thing, if you speak well, you can control other people's perceptions of you. Mm. Because, you know, what's the number one fear in America?
2: Public speaking. <laughs> Over death, which is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> clearly there should be more disastrous consequences
1: than public speaking right we should be worried about death who put death worrying about death below public speaking <laughs> I, right. I, a lot of people don't understand that and it's funny but the truth is, is i understand it the reason we're afraid to speak in public is because we're afraid of being judged harshly right we don't like to say how we feel i love you will you marry me and have them be be like i don't even want to be your friend you are a loser that hurts so we don't want to speak up and be judged harshly so the three things you need to learn one when you control the sounds you make you control the way other people perceive you and you can showcase the best of you the authentic parts You can showcase the truthful things about you, everything that's great about you. The second thing is, if you know how to speak correctly, you can move people emotionally when you speak. You can actually move them instead of just falling on deaf ears. And the third thing is when you can speak really well, and anyone can, you can control the outcome of every communication that you have. And most people can't even begin to think about controlling the outcome of every conversation. They're stumbling through conversations, hoping there's some positive outcome. But what if you could control people's perceptions? Then you'd never be afraid of speaking. Then you'd take fear of public speaking and put it in a drawer because you were so confident because you knew people would like you. You'd be able to move people emotionally so they'd remember the things that you said. And you'd be able to control the conversations that you have to end in the results that you want. That's powerful to me. That's how you make a better life. One conversation at a time,
2: one relationship at a time. This is the old adage, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And that's exactly what you're keying in on here. Exactly right. And I, I,
1: I love saying that. Science has proven that people communicate effectively when they speak emotionally. But words by themselves don't have any emotion. Mm. I love my wife. I hate my wife. (laughs) I love my dog. I hate my dog. I love chocolate. I hate chocolate. You don't know how I feel about chocolate or my wife or my dog because the words themselves don't have any emotion. You have to attach sounds to those words. I love my wife. I love chocolate. I love my doggie. You attach sounds to the words, and that's how people com- should communicate. We live in a world that thinks that if you had the right words to say, you could have great relationships and get married and have kids, and the kids would, would not play run around naked on the freeway and they wouldn't only eat chocolate chip cookies before every meal that you could convince people of things that you have you can have a great life but the words aren't doing it it's the sounds attached to the words and all of that is scientifically proven it's how the brain works the brain doesn't really want logic first the brain wants
2: emotion Mm. first Roger, I'm fascinated by talking to people who are the very best at what they do. And, you know, you're the world's number one voice coach, but you didn't start there, I'm sure. So if we take this all the way back, where does this journey begin for you? This journey begins as a a little
1: kid who stumbles on the idea that when I was unhappy or sad, I could just sing. And it changed the way I felt. It would just put me in a great mood. Okay. So whenever I was dealing with any kind of issues, emotional issues, I would sing. So I would sing all the time. I mean, all the time. And I grew up just loving to sing because it it really, and again, scientifically, it creates all of these endorphins in your body. It releases uh, chemicals that makes you happy. Did you know that singing or speaking the way that I teach has been scientifically proven to to increase up to eight years of your
2: lifespan. Well, Just- well look, I, I can't imagine anyone's in a bad mood when they're hearing your voice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that makes me happy because because I think it we makes should makes everybody be a, happy. <laughs> I think we should to to be better people, I think we should make other people happy when we speak. We should be entertaining. It's fine. Why I, how many times am I standing at the used to when I w- actually was allowed outside of my house? The good old days. I, I, the good old days when I'd be standing in line at the dry cleaners waiting to pick up the dry cleaning or at the grocery <laughs> store, ready to put my stuff in the in a cart and and walk out. And the person in front of me, the two people in front of me are talking like this how you doing
2: okay how's your wife yep
1: okay <laughs> friends good still live? i think so that's how people communicate <laughs> boring that's not emotional so right. i just i was a kid who just loved to sing and i just figured i i that's it i have to be a singer so when i was 13 years old i had finally convinced my parents to take me to get singing lessons and they took me to the most famous voice teacher in the world three years later at 16 and a half he left to go to canada your, my country, my home and native land. Your native land. And he said, Roger, do you want to come over after school and teach because I'm leaving for Canada for six months? And you're 16. And, <laughs> 16 years old. And I said, well, that that's a very interesting proposition. One main problem I could see, I have no idea how to teach. I'm just trying to be a good student. And he said, oh, don't let that stop you. I'm gonna pay you $100 an hour. To which I said, I'll be there on Monday after school and I'll have business cards printed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't have business cards printed, but I, the idea, the intent was there. I did yeah. afterwards, afterwards, but not on Monday. And I show up on Monday and my first student is Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. No way. And I really do not know how to teach voice. I, sure. I'm sitting in front of, of, of a grand piano there's Brian. And now it's go time because I know he's paying for this lesson and I'm, I want to get paid. So go time, everything in me, almost everything in me wanted to just say, Brian, I am so sorry. Here's gas money. Here, <laughs> take this gas money. Take it. And, and uh, I apologize for having you drive over here, but I, I'm not a teacher, but I, I, I didn't do that. I just decided to give it a whirl. And six months, fast forward six months later, after me literally faking it until I made it, wow. six months later, every single one of his celebrities and he had all the top stars in the world all decided they wanted to stay with me. So when he came back from Canada, he made me junior partner. So at 16 and a half, my career path was very set. I loved singing. I was going to continue to go to college, high, finish high school, continue to go to college, do everything I was gonna do, but I'm going to teach voice. And
2: that's, that's the story. But along that path, you were, I guess, you, know, you were about to be a singer. You were on a path to be a singer, yeah. and then it shifted. And I think that there's actually a really interesting lesson here that like, life doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. And then later on, you can look back and go, actually, it worked out a lot better.
1: Yes, but, you know, this whole adage of those who do, do, and those who can't teach, that is cuckoo. I didn't get, the teaching voice didn't stop me from doing anything that I wanted to do as a performer. Mm. At 16 and a half, I wanted to be an opera singer, or I thought I wanted to be an opera singer. So I still kept studying. I was voted the number one voice in the state of California at 16, and every college across the country offered me a classical voice scholarship. But I stayed, and I took one from UCLA to go and study and sing opera, because I was already teaching part-time, full-time, basically, all nights, all weekends. So I, I continued everything I was doing about my own performing. And then two years into college, teaching, and also working on being an opera singer, I decided that I really didn't want to be an opera singer. At that moment, I thought I think it'd be a lot more fun to be a rock star, to be honest, because right. I was already teaching all of these rock stars. I was teaching Def Leppard and Poison and Cinderella and Molly Crew and all the top rockers. Yeah, and I was like, this it can't be that difficult. And if I'm teaching them, and I and they they're imitating my voice, I should just be a rock star. So I made a shift on my second year in college while I was teaching all those people to really start learning about pop music more and about writing music. And, and, and so the truth is, is that I've sung more in my lifetime, probably more than any solo artist, because every project I worked on, I would put myself in as the background singers as a background singer. So I was producing all the all of these vocals in the studio for all these top artists. And I'd be like, OK, I think I'm going to sing all the backgrounds. So I was singing every night in the studio. And, and I think I've, I've probably sung more in my life and been recorded more and enjoyed singing more than I would have if I would have even decided to be a solo singer. But I actually loved teaching. And so that moment in my life wasn't like, ah, that's it. I'm done with being a singer. It was yeah. like, I'm going to sing forever. And and this, is, this opens up the door to me singing
2: wherever, with whoever, or by myself, whatever I want. So what albums or songs might we have heard you on and not known that we heard you on it? Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean... I was doing all the backgrounds for Poison, so when you're listening to all those old Poison records, that was me. Uh, wow! Uh, fast forward, you listening to, to, you know, I mean, I've worked with so many different artists. I mean, you'll 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 hear me on Stevie Nicks songs. You'll you'll hear me on on a million records that I've done when you're when when you're when you were younger and uh, a little younger and you were and you or your kids were listening to Hanson and they were singing which which made 400 million dollars for uh, that year for wow. the group Hanson I was the one going Mm-bop-a-doo. so i mean i'm on um, A
2: zillion records, lovingly and happily. So you being thrown into being a voice coach at 16 years old is obviously a very pivotal moment in your life. But was there another moment later on in your life where you worked with a certain client or you figure something out that really took things to the next level for you? Yeah, I think that realization that I mentioned
1: already that 17 years into just thinking I want to be the greatest singing coach in the world. Tony Robbins and John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which is the number two biggest selling book, I think, in publishing history. The only book that sold more is the Bible. These people started coming to me and they wanted me to work on their speaking voice. So that realization of how to move from singing to speaking and share those components of voice, that was one of the biggest realizations that I had in my life. And and that, that certainly changed the trajectory
2: because then I started taking speakers and singers. I feel like you might have been like a big reason that Tony Robbins is able to continue doing what he's doing because when you listen to him talk now, his voice sounds like very strained and it doesn't sound like the Tony Robbins we heard 30 plus years ago. What specifically did you work on with Tony to help him be able to have the longevity that he's had? You know, Tony is a very unique case for voice so imagine
1: that tony's in high school and all of a sudden he sprouts up like yeah he's a monster he's huge. He's, he's the jolly green giant and he's he all of a sudden he grows two feet or in, more in, in in almost no time when that happens it affects your body different ways
0: hmm.
1: imagine all of a sudden your your larynx your vocal cords your, your all the things that help to make sound does the same thing and it grows really, really fast, maybe to the point that your vocal cords are so big they can barely, barely even fit inside of your, your voice box. So there were some physiological things that happened early on in his life where, he, where it became difficult to actually create sound based on the whole growth thing that he had, okay? okay. That, whatever, that hormonal balance, imbalance, uh, all of those issues. Sure. So when I started working with Tony, and, and actually the reason that most people, especially speakers, came to me and still come to me is because they're losing their voice. Right. And they know that I can make it so they never lose their voice. Well, again. I
2: can't imagine a lot of people go, you know what, I need to, I need to improve my singing voice after selling 20 million r- records or albums. Right. And
1: But you can't imagine how many speakers are selling millions and millions of books or, or successful uh, TV hosts or, or actors, and, and they're not thinking about their voice. Yeah, they're just thinking this is the voice they were born with and they have to make the most of it per movie or per per book tour that they're on. Right. So so uh, bottom line is, is that so I helped Tony work with his voice so that he could not lose it, so that he could be able to do three and four day events and speak and have thousands and thousands of people command that many people, but be really present and influential but just have a voice at the end of the day and and so i mean we started working together probably 30 years ago and and he was already of course very very famous doing everything he was doing but he was losing his voice so at the end of every day he would have no voice the next morning he would be completely hoarse and we'd rebuild it almost every morning would have to rebuild it so that he'd be able to get on stage. Well, I made it so that he would just do the vocal exercises every day. And he had 30 years of not really having any problems. His voice isn't perfect. He's, he's one of the greatest speakers in the world. The sounds yeah. of his voice are not perfect, but it's based on a certain physicality that, that,
2: that is unique to him and his vocal cords and his body. You've got such an ear for this. So when someone like Tony Robbins, Bradley Cooper, whoever comes to you, what are you immediately listening for? That's a really
1: good question. I'm listening for as if you, as if, okay, as if Bradley Cooper or Tony Robbins had come to me with a piano okay, and, and put the piano in my office and say, here's my piano. Yeah. The first thing I do is I'd sort of look at all the keys and see if they're all working. Can they go down? Can it, are the ones down at the bottom down here? Are those working?
2: I love that you're in front of a piano right now. <laughs> are are the,
1: are the ones are the ones at the top? Are those working? So I'd make sure that the instrument was right, so that that, that the that the the physical instrument was good. Like there there weren't keys missing, and there okay. weren't big chunks of wood missing from the piano. So I, I I fixed the instrument, and the voice is an instrument, and then I'm like, okay, what do you want to play? Why are you here? Bradley Cooper wanted to sing opposite. He cast Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born. And he said, Roger, we're gonna sing the songs live. Not in the studio. We're gonna sing the song live, so all the songs. And that's what's gonna go out on the film. Wow. And I, So I've got my work cut out for me. So we worked six months every single day for an, at least an hour. And then he practiced for another hour or two every single day, aside from me. Wow. six months to get that to happen so i said what do you want to use your voice for in his case it was i want to sing in in other people's cases it may be i have this part coming up rooney mara says "Yeah, hey, i've got this uh acting thing or i work with Kira knightley or or uh, angelina jolie they could come to me for any host of things i'm working on a movie i want to create this voice and then i i say and I help them learn how to find that voice for that character. It could be a doctor who, who is having trouble communicating with his patients and wants to be a more successful doctor or a lawyer or, or, uh, or, or anyone who's in a relationship, it could be a husband or a wife that, that, that their pe- partner doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem to listen to them and they want to have control over more influence and use their voices. So I ask them what they want to do with their voice and then we build it. I show them like if you come to me with your piano and you say i want to I want to play rock and roll. rock and roll sounds like this. Oh, you want to do classical? oh, classical sounds like this. Well, I work I create help them create the sounds
2: for the for the task, for the life, for the relationship, for the job of who they are or they want to be. I imagine though, that on the flip side, there's going to be people that go, I want to sound like me, and if I'm going to take on the voice of someone else or something else and i'm not really going to inherently be me anymore i
1: i love that very good no all i do is i remove all of the cobwebs from your voice mm. i take away all the pressures all the straining all the reasons that you can't make the sounds that are intrinsic to you to the the greatest part of your instrument the most authentic i strip away everything else that you're doing that isn't authentic that isn't the real you and then what's left is wow, I sound, I I didn't even know I could do this, but this is more me than I'd ever thought I was. The person who's walking around speaking nasal like this all the time and thinks that's me, I I used to watch Jerry Lewis films when I was younger and I didn't sound like Dean Martin, I sound like Jerry Lewis and this is my voice. Then am I taking the you out of them if I get rid of their nasality? No, Mm. there was something that they were doing wrong that was making it nasal if somebody comes to me like this and they have no melody in their voice and they sound totally like a robot a bad robot with no emotion one note as if it was just they were they were one note on the piano and they just hold on to that one note all the time and don't laugh because this is true most people do speak like this like one note. This is my note. This is my Roger note. And every so often I get really excited. and be like, Hey, and then I go back to the, (laughs) my Roger note. So their monotone is one of the worst issues, prevalent issues in the world right now. People speak like this and they're like, this is me. I'm boring. This is me. I don't have any emotion. I love you. I hate you. I told you, I don't have any emotion. And they sound like that. Is that them? Or could I show them some melody? And they can be like, oh, yeah, I do have a side of me that's a little bit, has a little more personality. Oh, I'm not a curmudgeon. I'm actually happy. (laughs) So when I show them how to make happy sounds, they're like, oh, I am happy. I just, I was just stuck in monotone. I thought I was a machine. I didn't realize I was a person. I'm I'm the guy that brings the most authenticity out of people that you could possibly imagine.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring,
2: I love that you say that we can use our voices to get our desired goal. And I think that that's such a big thing that people don't don't realize. Life doesn't exist without communication right. if
1: If you enter a room and I'm hiding behind a chair and you don't see me and you don't hear me, we we can't possibly I don't exist to you, yes. And as soon as I open my mouth, you start making value judgments about you that about me. That's just human nature as soon as you meet anyone and they start to speak, you want to decide, do you like that person? Do you want to listen more to that person? You start making these value judgments. Is that person worthy of more time? So you, so the way you make value judgments is, I walk out, all right, you see me on the screen, and then, you, and then your listeners start, they look at me and they're like, how old is he? Hmm, I wonder where he went to school. Why is he wearing a black sweater? Does he have any kids? Does he have an offshore account? How much money could he possibly have in that offshore account? How lucrative could this voice thing be? Does he have a Steinway Grand Piano? Is he wearing pants? And then worse than asking themselves those questions, they start answering them. I don't think he's wearing pants. Or, Mm. oh, yes, his, his, his account in the Cayman Islands probably got shut down. Or he has two kids, or he went to this college, or he never went to college, or maybe he's not married. So they start answering these questions and they and it's human nature. You're trying to have a relationship. Right. You're just saying, like, is that person like me? Do I like that person? Well, that's it's dangerous when you're when you're creating relationships based on non-facts. So that's that's why I say it's it's up to each of us to showcase who we are, what we really believe, what we want, what we don't want. You know, how many movements do we have to go through over the last few years where people are shouting, this is my voice, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, but then they're not creating change. Mm. We have to use our voice. It's not just about who's the loudest. It's about using voice to
2: influence people. Everything you just talked about with judgments has been perpetuated so much more over the last 12 months with the strangeness, the weirdness that's going on in the world. Because so much of the communication we have now is clicking the button on Zoom or Skype or whatever you're using, FaceTime, and then this is it. And then like you're judging someone based on what's behind them as you're looking at them and how they sound.
1: Yeah, look, I've been doing zoom sessions and before zoom it was skype as soon as i could do video sessions i realized that i could now coach of course all around the world so i've been doing video sessions for 10 years as long as the as long as it was possible so when when covid unfortunately happened to the world i was like i already have i have this media down i've already realized that there's a way to communicate on video on camera and have it be very connective very personable so so you know it it didn't it didn't hinder me as far as presenting content and as far as teaching as far as working with people uh, i've i've found that when you zoom with somebody like this mm-hmm. it can be very very personal It's very focused. You're only dealing with this much of their head and shoulders. And, and it's, 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 it can be very connective and very, very true and honest if you allow it. But the truth is, is that, look, it wasn't COVID who stole our voices and who put us on Zoom. The internet basically stole our voices. Once the internet happened, we started speaking less Mm. and we started emailing. And then we could have full on lives thinking we could on email and we could do business on email and never talk to anybody and we could have relationships online dating and never speak to anybody and we could create a life and sell products and do everything emailing and then texting happened and we could just text but when you think about it how do we showcase emotion in texting emojis emojis we got to put emojis in just so that i know when i say this or that i really mean this because the words don't mean anything. So flash forward, I love the internet. It's fantastic. We wouldn't be able to be doing today. The internet changes our lives, but it also stripped us away of more one-on-one communication. We became a nation of people who were, who were trying to convey our ideas and thoughts and who we were and run business and relationships based on typing, texts and emails. So now flash forward, I think it's sort of like a, a leveling thing that happened. Now, at least we're forcing people to do more audio texts and we're, and we're, and people are having to do business on, on zoom and other video platforms with video teleconferencing and stuff like that. So it's, I think of it as like a little correction. The Mm. people that are good speakers, the people that find their voices, they're going, when this whole COVID thing is over, they're the ones that are going to be the head of, businesses and the best storytellers and the most influential people and they're, they're going to create the most change. So it, it, I, I'm happy that actually we have to find our voices in this time because I've been saying we need to find our
2: voices for the last 40 years. Hmm. When you're working with some of these big names and you're helping them find their voice, are you oh. on set with them? Are you if they're a musician, are you on tour with them? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I used to do, when I do singers, I
1: mean, I used to go on full on tours when I've I got married, tours. when I got married, I said to my wife, where do you want to go? And she says, well, I, uh, where could we go? And I said, well, I've got this group. I've got Def Leppard doing a European tour. I've got Poison doing a tour all across America. I've got uh, Chicago doing a tour over here. If you want, we could just, we didn't have any kids. We just got married. If you want, We could, aside from our honeymoon, not not to take away from honeymoons of just trips, but if you want, we could go on extended trips. And so we would. So I'd sign on and I'd go across America and and bring my wife, Miyoko. And we'd we'd literally tour and and bands, especially rock bands, they don't even get up till noon. So we'd have from eight o'clock in the morning until 11.55 to tour every city. And then I'd show up at at 11.55. And teach Brett Michaels or Joe Elliott or whatever band I was working with. So I, I spent a long time touring over the years whenever it was beneficial, whenever she wanted to go with me, or whenever it was something important. You know, hey, let's go to let's go to Canada and 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 start the 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 Jonas brothers tour. And we're like, okay, that'll be super fun. So I I, I was able to turn it sort of into a lifestyle and vacation with the people I care about, my family. But, but, and then as far as, you know, I have to fly all around the country working with speakers as well. Somebody loses their voice here and they lose their voice here. And I've spent a lifetime traveling, yes, to get to people. And a lot of times I am in the studio, you know, last season one of uh, last year, I remember being on set with Jennifer Aniston because she had to sing in her, in, in that show uh, that she does on Apple called, uh, morning show
2: yeah and she
1: there was a karaoke night and jennifer needed to sing so i taught jennifer and billy crudup the two two of the stars of that show to sing this song together and karaoke and i'll go to the set and i'll make sure it all sounds great sometimes i'll go wherever the, the the film is doing i didn't have to go to any of the filming of a star is born i didn't have to go to any i did the movie walk the line with reese witherspoon and joaquin phoenix i never went to the set because we recorded everything ahead of time what About and crazy horse crazy heart with What's jeff bridges heart? and colin farrell we recorded everything ahead of time and yeah. so i didn't need to go to the set and and so when it's all pre-recorded then it's a choice i might want to go to the set and just watch but uh but but unless they're doing it live then more times i am there on the
2: set trying to make sure it happens all of this makes me wonder i think the big question everyone's thinking is can anybody learn how to sing
1: the answer is yes Hmm. anyone can learn how to sing just because you sing along with bruno mars And when he goes high, you go, ouch. (laughs) And when he sounds good, you're like, I sound bad. Doesn't mean you can't sing. It means that you haven't figured out how to use your instrument. I say anyone can learn how to sing infinitely better than they sing now. You have to remember, look at just one high profile non-singer that I've worked with. And I've worked with many because I've sort of become the go-to guy to help Famous actors, when I say actors, I mean actors, female and male actors, sing. That's why they hired me because Joaquin Phoenix had never sung before. And literally, if you would have asked him at that moment in time to sing Happy Birthday, he wouldn't have been able to make it all the way through and hit the notes.
2: And then he sounds exactly like Johnny Cash in the film.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so that's just one little glimpse into, and All of the music, all of my work on that film with Reese and Joaquin, I only had about three and a half weeks or so. Oh my god! Total to do it. I didn't have months. So look at what happened with Reese and Joaquin in just three and a half weeks. Yes, when you have the, the best technique, you can teach anyone to sing or speak. Think of this analogy. Okay. So again, I like using the piano analogy. So I love it. (laughs) The piano, you can play with 10 fingers, right? Right. So you come to me and you're like, Roger, are you a piano coach? I'm like, okay, sort of. And then and then I say, and then I say, show me how you play the piano. And then you the person plays like this. Mm. They play with one finger or two fingers. And I'm like, you know, you got 10 fingers. And then I show them how to use 10 fingers. Well, then all of a sudden they're going. And they're playing with 10 fingers. Well, it's the same thing with voice. They come into me and they just think they're one or two notes Mm. that they can make. And I show them that they can make all of these amazing sounds from down low and use a voice, which we call chest voice. Chest voice is the thick, strong part of the male and female voice down here, down low, which is like, We're closing this deal. I said, Sign the contract. Follow me. I know the way. We're going to war. We're leaving war. Chest voice does that. And then there's this voice higher called head voice ah, way up here, where it's that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's so sweet. It's so kind. All of these sounds up here in head voice that showcase how authentic and, and emotional we are and empathetic. So there's a whole range of the voice that is already perceived as you're so sweet and you're so kind and you're so nice and empathetic. And then there's an area in between where most people don't even know called middle voice. Chest voice, ah, head voice, ah. Middle voice, ah, in between the two. So I'm like, that's incredible. I love it, wonderful. Then there's that whole middle voice, which most people don't even have never even heard of. Yeah that adds all this magic and fun and excitement. Nobody paid to go see the three baritones in concert. <laughs> they went to see the three tenors, why? Because the tenors, when they hit those high notes, they're hitting middle voice and middle voice is so exciting. When when I started teaching singing, I realized that most people only thought there were two voices, mm. chest voice down here and head voice up here. So either you spoke like Michael Jackson or you spoke like James Earl Jones. <laughs> and, and when you try to go back and forth in between the two, you had a problem ah like a break you, people are singing the national anthem the land of the free <laughs> and there's a break in their voice that's because they're thinking there's only two voices, mm. but when you have a middle voice, you don't sound like this ah, oh, you sound like this ah oh, what one voice all the way up and down and when i started showing singers that they were like wow you just changed my life and when i started showing speakers that they were like who the hell cares (laughs) i don't want to be a singer and i said no no you have to care because if a speaker and i believe everyone's a public speaker by the way Mm. not just if you get paid for it if you open your mouth and, and your dog is there or anyone is listening to you they're your public and you're a public speaker so Mm -hmm. when i started teaching public speakers that they and just all speakers like i said that they had to have all three voices because each voice had emotions attached to them already and that they needed to showcase those emotions to move people emotionally and to close deals and to create relationships then they were like okay i'll learn all three voices and that's what separates my speakers." from the boring ones that you that you that you can't even watch on Zoom because they're boring you to tears you're already crying right. 8 seconds in <laughs> do do you know that the average the average retention span is 8 seconds 8 seconds yeah the human attention span right now microsoft did a huge study they did one 10 years ago and they did one more recently 10 years ago, the average attention span, which means I listen to you, and then I can make it all the way, 10 years ago it was 12 seconds. I can make it all the way to 12 seconds before I decide, oh my gosh, I hope it's lunch, or hope it's breakfast, or I don't wanna listen to you anymore, or I'm bored. Now it's eight seconds. So you literally, as a speaker, in every conversation you have, you have eight second intervals for the other person to decide whether they are bored to tears, whether they want to hear another 8 seconds or whether they could just leave you at that moment happily wow 8 seconds well you can't really do it by so much pressure on the words well my gosh every 8 seconds i have to come up with really good words that sounds like a lot of that sounds too much it's too much work or every 8 seconds to keep someone's attention cuz i i'm going to do a speech for an hour well every 8 seconds i better find an amazing word like rinky dink or <laughs> unbelievably unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, some word or fabulously beautiful two words so no but when you change the sounds of your voice when when every eight seconds you can get a little softer a little louder or a little higher or a little lower or a little faster or a little slower it's all it's all so easy that it's easier to just change your sounds right and then people will be more attentive to you, more retentive of the things
2: that you say because they'll remember the things you said because you made them feel things. Mm. When I look at everybody that you've worked at, I think the most, worked with, I think the most surprising is Eminem because I can't picture Eminem being like, hey, Roger, I need some help with my voice.
1: (laughs) No, no. I mean, his manager slash lawyer called me up and said, Eminem's starting a tour at the Eminem show. And uh he really wants to work on his voice. So can you fly out to New York, outside of New York, tomorrow Tomorrow. and work with work with his voice? It's always tomorrow (laughs) and work with his voice. So I so so I showed up, and as it turns out, Eminem didn't ask for a voice coach. Oh no. The manager slash lawyer wanted knew he needed a voice coach. So I had to convince him on the spot after flying all the way to New York that he needed a voice coach. So, so, uh, you know, look, I, I, I was able to do it. I, I taught him how to that, that night. And, and, and over the next uh, couple of weeks, we were on, uh, I was on tour that, that I was able to teach him how to breathe, how to do chest, middle, and head voice and all the things that I knew. So uh, I don't know if he's still practicing (laughs) with the exercises I gave him, but uh, sometimes I only have to meet somebody once or a handful of times before with that knowledge that I teach them, it changes the way they sound forever. So no, he wasn't thinking about I need the voice lessons. But the truth is, is everyone needs voice lessons because people are listening. I also say this. People are under the misinformation that somehow your voice is for you. Mm, yeah. That this is my voice. This is for me. I'm, it's supposed to be for me, but it's not for you. Your voice is a gift that you're supposed to learn how to use and that you give away. That's why your, your ears are over here and your mouth is here. Wow. When you speak, sound goes out and it vibrates the bodies. That's, those sounds vibrate the bodies of the people that listen to you. We don't even hear ourselves very well because our ears are over here. So if our voices were for ourselves, then we would have probably been born with ears in our hands. <laughs> and we would talk like this. Hello, Roger. How are you doing? I'm fine. I sound I know exactly how I sound. But sound traveling away from us
2: is for someone else. Right. So what is one thing that people can do right now to improve the sound of their voice today? They can they can realize that they are in control over the melodies
1: mm-hmm. they use like a song. You pick a song not because it has the same melody now I'm singing a song and it only has one note. Johnny could only sing one note and the note he sang was this. And then, even in that song called Johnny One Note, he goes, <laughs> ah. And then it goes, poor Johnny One. Then it has melody. But nobody, you wouldn't pay anything on iTunes or Spotify for a song that only had one note. Well, that's how people speak monotone. You need to realize that you're in control over melody. Here's what I mean when you speak, You are either doing this, staying on the same note, which I said, that's bad, boring, nobody cares about that. You have, you're lucky if you got eight seconds of someone listening to you speak like this before they turn the channel. Or you could speak on what's called an ascending scale, going from low to high. Now I'm walking up the steps from a low note to a high note. I really love chocolate. I'm so happy to be on your show, Chris. Now this is called an ascending scale. When I go from a low note to a high note, and anyone can do this. You don't have to be a singer. You record yourself and you listen. When I go from a low note to a high note, as if I was walking upstairs, now I'm walking up the steps. Now I'm walking up the steps. That's called an ascending scale. Mm-hmm. When you make those sounds, it's the sound of happy. I really love chocolate. I really love watermelon. I'm so happy to be here today. You make yourself sound happy and you make other people happy when you use ascending scales. That's a good thing. When you do the other form of melody called descending scales, that's going from a high note and going down. I get to a comma and I go down. I get to a period and I go down. My name is Roger Love. It's my birthday. I didn't get any presents. Those are descending scales. How do they sound? Sad. Yeah, they sound sad. Poor little Roger. He didn't get any presents. But about 99% of the people in the world, Go use descending melodies because they go down at commas and periods. We were taught as kids, well, when you get to a comma, go down. And when you get to a period, go down. That's a descending scale. That's why people interrupt each other. They don't know when they're done Mm -hmm. because the comma tells them done. But songs are not not like that. The hills are alive with the sound of music. (laughs) But that's the way we talk. So first thing, record yourself. Are you using ascending scales like you're going up, like walking up the steps, like a piano? Or are you using descending scales? Are you going down when you get to a comma? Or are you staying on monotone? Because what you need to do is learn to use more ascending scales. Because that makes you sound happy and it makes the people who listen to you feel happy.
2: You are dropping so much knowledge here, Roger. I'm I'm loving this. You are a magical man. That's what you are.
1: Oh, just, if just somebody trying to do wants, good work.
2: If somebody wants to work with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Uh, the best way to work with me is to go online because I created, I've spent the last years and years and years taking everything that I know and creating courses where people can, in the privacy of their own car or bathroom or shower or bedroom or living room away from everyone else they can learn how to speak or sing in a way that literally translates into them making great conversations communications and being more successful so basically go to rogerlove.com and play around as soon as you go to rogerlove.com you're going to be given a choice do you want to sing better you want to speak better okay And and then follow
2: follow that and so for people listening right now, we're, we're going to give them something a little bit special here, too. Yeah, we are, because I, I never come en-
1: empty handed. I appreciate I, you. I, I want to do something special. So, so, I mean, look, the reason I came here today is because I want to help your listeners use their voices to unlock new levels of success in their lives. So if you want to speak or you want to sing, or if somehow this interview has inspired you to decide that you can do both, here's what we offer for you. There's a $50 gift certificate waiting for you right now on rogerlove.com forward slash insight. That's insight, like the name of the show, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, all lowercase. So, so you're just going to go to rogerlove.com forward slash insight and claim your certificate. And you can use that $50 to get your hands on the training program that is literally perfect for you and what you want to achieve with your voice. Oh, and and, and of course, we made sure that your $50 is good for speaking, training, singing, training, or both. because. If your listeners are like us, I'm sure many of them are learners and they want to continue growing and exploring new things. So my gift today is $50. Go to rogerlove.com forward slash insight and claim your $50 gift certificate and, and, and start speaking away and singing away and realizing that you can do all of that and be incredible. And that's the makeover you need instead of
2: anything else you were thinking about doing today. Thank you for bringing something to our guests, but thank you more importantly just for what you bring into the world. I appreciate your insight, pardon the pun, but I appreciate every, all your knowledge that you're bringing us in this interview.
1: I, I started out with a very humble idea of what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, because I figured out I was uniquely set up for that, I wanted to save the world. Hmm. And the only way I could <laughs> do it was one voice at a time save the world at least make people communicate better and if we if we all agreed that we could have melody and volume changes and the right tones and we could make sounds that make people happy and showcase the best of us then maybe we could all put aside more of the differences that we feel about each other and realize we were all born with a
2: voice and maybe we
1: should we should come together on that
2: i am driven by the idea of gratitude and i say that if you can be grateful you can be great So I end every interview, Roger, by asking, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? I am
1: grateful for my wife, my daughter, and my son. I love it. And the the fourth thing is the time to show them
2: how much I love them. Well, I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful for this time. Roger Love, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. What a voice, right? The one, the only, Roger Love. Big thank you to him for taking the time to do this. It's so interesting hearing his approach to improving someone's voice. And I hope you were able to take some of that knowledge from this interview. There was so much of it. I hope you are able to take some of this and apply it to your own life. And share this with someone that you know will love it. Tag us on social media. Take a screenshot. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Roger is at the Roger Love official. And I'll leave you with a quote about speaking and about voices. It's from Maya Angelou, who said, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning. Be great. Be grateful. We will see you on the next one for some more insight. Have a great weekend.